Well, good morning, everyone. Glad to see you. And uh, if you're watching online, uh, we know who you are most of the time. Uh, most know who most of you are. So uh, glad you're with us this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue our verse-by-verse study uh, through the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible, you have an electronic device that's not watching uh, Sports Center. Uh, I once had a guy in the church that did that until I found out, so I relentlessly teased him for months and months after that. But uh, uh, if you have a Bible, um, come with me to Acts uh, chapter 9, and let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for gathering us together and uh, just drawing our hearts to worship. But Lord, as we study your word, This morning, I pray, Lord, that you would help me uh, get the message across and, and Lord, that you'd stir our hearts uh, uh, towards missions, Lord, I pray. Uh, Work in our hearts and work in our congregation, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to look at the Apostle Peter. We've seen him uh, effective Uh, in his preaching and his ministry. But in Acts chapter 9 this morning, we're particularly going to look at Peter on mission. And he's on mission because the gospel has really expanded from Judea, I mean, from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. And it's penetrated now to the coastal plain by the Mediterranean Sea, by modern-day Tel Aviv and up to Caesarea. And what we're going to take a look at is Peter's mission that he's on. And if we could drill down a little bit on what his mission is, we could turn to John chapter 21. And in John chapter 21, what we discover is that Peter is restored. He's denied the Lord three times, and the Lord's restored him. And three times, Jesus goes to Peter, Peter, do you love me. And each time Peter goes, oh Lord, you know, you know I love you. And by the third time he's like, oh come on, you know I love you. And the Lord says to Peter to do what? Feed my sheep. And so Peter, one of his primary callings upon his life was to be a shepherd, was to be a pastor. And we haven't really kind of seen that Uh, up until Acts chapter 9. The second uh, aspect of uh, Peter's ministry we found in Matthew chapter 4, where Peter's with his brother, and his brother's name is Andrew, right? And Jesus goes to Peter and Andrew. He says, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what we see about these two aspects of Peter's calling is that he's called to love and care for God's people, right? And he's called to be a fisher of men to be about the gospel work. Now, here's the issue for me as a pastor. Most people have disqualified themselves from those two things. Well, I'm not the apostle Peter. I I can't do that. I can't care for God's people like, like I'm not a pastor. 
I'm, I, I'm, I, that's just not who I am. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul says this, that, that we all have a sphere of influence that God has placed us in. I'll give you the verses for that. It's in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. Is that we all have a sphere of influence that God, by his design, has put us in. So that's 2 Corinthians 10. If you went to Matthew 28, we call that, at the end of Matthew 28, we call it what? The Great Commission. So are you with me? Peter's calling to be a fisher of men, it's the same as our calling. We're all called to be Great Commission Christians, all called to be about proclaiming the gospel message. We are all called, and I know this is, it's a little difficult for some to grasp, but we're all called to pastor people within our sphere of influence. Like if you're a mom and dad, has God called you to be a parent? Apparently, that's a good, that's a good way. Some may, Bob, like some might not really have received it yet, but it's, get this dad, too late. We're all called to shepherd and care a little family. It's our sphere of influence. If we're a grandparent, uh, we all know we're called to shepherd our adult children's children. At least they do what? At least, well, <laughs> I have to sanitize that. At least they mess it up, right? At least they mess it up. If we're an uncle or an aunt, um, we're all called within our little sphere of influence to shepherd and care for God's people. And in that same context, whether we, context, whether we have children or grandchildren or an auntie or an uncle or a nana or a grandpa, we're all called to touch their hearts in a way that uh, makes Christ attractive to them. In other words, like the way we present ourselves, the way we present Christ, are we presenting Christ in a way that's attractive uh, to our grandkids that they would say, yeah, I, I want what Nana has. I want what Pa has. Like I said, my concern as a pastor is that that we so easily disqualify ourselves from being a proclaimer of the gospel or being a shepherd, uh, a pastor. And when we do that, we, we diminish joy in our life. Uh, ha have you ever led your child to the Lord? Have you ever... Uh, seen your child baptized? Have you ever seen an adult child that gets it right in life? And what does that do? It brings great joy to you when you see that happen in your child or your adult kid's life. And so we deprive ourselves of that element of joy 
because we said, well, it's just not our calling. And kind of like what I want to share with you today is that it is your calling. All of us are called to offer the grace and mercy that we find in Jesus Christ to people, especially those that are close to us. And we're all, we're all called to care for people when they're broken. All of us have that capacity. Why? Because all of us have been broken at one time or another and we have been comforted by the Lord and it's out of that comfort that we comfort other people. When we look at our text today, um, 30, 32 to 42, there's two little stories. And within these two little stories, what I would like to present to you this morning is that obviously the Apostle Peter is the subject of both stories. But what we see is how God used just ordinary things in Peter's life. Ordinary means, I guess if we could define it, is like something that you would expect. Like routine. No big deal. I can do that. And when I read through these two um, little stories about Peter, that's what came into my heart. I can do that. And I would hope that you would like walk away from our talk this morning, our teaching, our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study, that it would resonate in your heart. Oh, I can do that. I can share the gospel. I can care for people. Uh, come with me to the text. It's, if you're not already there, it's in Acts chapter 9, verse 32. It says, Now as Peter went here and there among them all. Here and there among them all. What was Peter doing? He went for a walk. That's all he did. He's traveling from point to point because he has a heart to fish for souls, but he has a heart to be what Jesus called him to be, was to feed my sheep, feed my lambs. It's quite a contrast between Peter walking along, and do you remember, uh, was Philip last week? Seems like a year ago, but we looked at Philip last week, right? Philip is like this amazing like Superman for Jesus. Philip, go to the desert road that leads to Gaza. I mean, he's got this like amazing, like the Holy Spirit speaking to him in amazing ways. And then he goes, to, he goes along the road and he, he sees who? He sees the Ethiopian eunuch and he jumps in the chariot and they're going down the road. He leads him to Christ in an amazing way. And then the Ethiopian goes, hey, there's some water there. Let's be baptized. When's the last time that happened to you? And then Philip leads him to the Lord. He baptizes him. And then what happens? Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> and, he, and he's brought to another place. What's Peter doing? Peter's doing the ordinary. He's simply moving from place to place to fulfill uh, God's call upon his life. Come back to the text now, as Peter went here and there 
among them all, he came down to the saints who lived at Lydda. And verse 33, there he found a man. Notice this, that the man isn't calling out to him. It, it, like when we get to Dorcas and Tabitha, you know, amazing story. They're going to go and get Peter. But here it's just, he's just, he's just going here and there. And he has eyes that are seeking. A heart that is seeking people. A heart for God and availability to be used by him. Like, we're going to get to the holidays at some point. Some of you are saying, please, don't rush it, Ed. But we're all going to go to family gatherings, right? Luke chapter 19, remember that? The Irish guy that's in a tree? He's so short, he can't see Jesus. And Jesus says to Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. I'm going to have lunch with you. And then you get to the end of the story. He says, Zacchaeus, you are a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save the lost. Oh, back to the family reunion. Holiday party. You're going here and there. Just walking. Just available. Just to have a heart for God. But you're on mission. Peter was seeking, he discovered the man because he had a heart for God and he had a grid that says, I'm available. Maybe the family gatherings are too hard. I know mine are are a stretch. But how about today? How about right here and right now? do Do you have eyes to see the person that's in the chair next to you or behind you. Some of you are saying, that's a scary person, Ed. <laughs> Do you have eyes that are seeking? You're here. Why not be used by God? See, all of us, I think, and I include myself in this, like, we all disqualify ourselves from mission um, and we do that much, much too quickly. And Peter is just doing ordinary things and what God does is in the midst of that ordinary, he does the supernatural. And doesn't that jazz you up when God does something like wild out of the box? Like you actually pray for someone and they get healed It's like, I mean, that's good for a decade, isn't it? Uh, How about you lead your own child to the Lord? That's good for generations. It's just as supernatural as the physical healing. Yet we discount it like mega. Back to the text, Peter's just doing the ordinary. There he found a man named Aeneas. He was bedridden for eight years who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Yikes. Where's the smoke? 
Where's the laser lights? Where's the four or five people with mobile cameras? Like, there's nothing. It's proclaiming in faith the word of God. Is it ordinary or supernatural? I'd submit to you it's, it's ordinary and it's only God that does the supernatural. But God wants to use those that have a heart for him and that are available to be used. Back to the text. And Peter said to him, and if Jesus Christ heals you, rise. We like that part. And make your bed. And everybody on the coastal plain heard about this and revival breaks out. I just have one question. Why the bed? Why make your bed? And I suggest to you what you have there is an incredible act of pastoral care. At the 8.30, we have some healthcare providers, and they were like jumping out of their seats, raising their hand. They said, that's what we told them to do. If they've been laid up, if they had a heart attack, if, if they've been disabled... And then one lady raised her hand. I won't tell you who Faye is, but she raised her hand. <laughs> and she goes, I never felt better when I was laid up. And I got up and I made my bed. Why? It's ordinary, isn't it? It's simple. It's so ordinary and simple, but it's just, it's just a simple task that empowers the person to do what? To take ownership, to say, I can do it. A simple task leads to what? Another simple task. And it leads to the place that According to the medical people, you begin working your muscles and going this way and that way, and the next thing you know, you're doing more than making your bed. Well, at worst, if the guy, the, the guy that's paralyzed, at worst, what could happen to him? He could have a lousy day, but when he comes home, he's going to come home to what? His bed's made. It hasn't been a loss at all. It's been okay. What does it tell you that when he climbs into bed? It gives him hope for tomorrow. I can make that bed. I can do. In pastoral care for people, there's a point in time where, and we're a very generous church, helping people, but there's a time when a person has to Step up to the plate and take care of business for themselves, isn't there? Peter empowers this person. When, uh, to my 
fellow veterans in the place here, what's one of the first things they teach you to do when you go through basic training? To make your bed. <laughs> How to, like, do the, 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 the right angles on the corners of your bed. How to tuck it in. You know, when, when we know the drill instructor was coming, we'd be underneath the bed, putting our fingers through the, 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 what do you call them? The, the springs, yes, yes, thank you. And you're pulling those babies. So when the quarter hit the bed, it did what? It bounced. And if it didn't, what happened, guys and ladies? Whew. Your whole day was blown. Whoosh, the bed goes wild. If you ever want to hear a good speech about this, you probably heard it. Admiral McRaven, have you heard of him? Uh, the link's in your notes. He writes, or he didn't write this, he said this, if you want to change the world, if you know it, say it with me, if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. Is anybody going to ask me the question? Did I make my bed this morning? No, Nancy did. <laughs> no, we have a very, she's into soft, fluffy, white things, you know, they just kind of. I'm pointing and, and camping out on this just for a little bit because Peter's changing. Peter's becoming a pastor that certainly he's, he's been a great apostle, amazing apostle. And, and, and I don't want to diminish that, and that's part of his calling. But was that all of his calling? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then be about feeding my lambs. Yeah. Yeah. Peter's changing. His heart's growing. The next little story deepens that, and, and next week we'll, we'll see him with Cornelius. But come to the next little example of ordinary means, supernatural results. Verse 36. Now there was in Joppa a disciple. Notice that there's a disciple, a follower of Christ. It's a gal. It's a lady. Her name's Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. It means gazelle. That's a pretty nice name, huh? She was full of good works and acts of charity. Do you think that just perhaps Luke doesn't want us to miss something? And she was like the go-to seamstress. Like, have you ever, like, lost a button? Well, if you were in the military, they, they actually teach you that, too. You say, well, maybe I should have my kid, teenager, sign up. Not a bad idea. Teach you to make your bed. Teach you to sew buttons. Anyway, Dorcas Tabitha, she was the go-to. She was the person that made things, like not manufactured them, but made them stitch by stitch, cloth by cloth. And people 
loved her. The impetus for the revival that spread like, like, like flame across the coastal plain, well, that's not bad, was the people reached out to Peter because they loved her so much. Ordinary, completely routine, produces what only God can do. Supernatural revival across the coastal plain around Joppa. Back to the text. Verse 37. In those days she became ill and, and died. And when they had washed her, her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Elida was near Joppa, the disciples hearing that Peter was there sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. Is there anything supernatural there? No. Sometimes in life, when you don't know what to do, just do the next best thing. Sometimes when you're stuck, and you're like, how, what am I to do? You know, if you love God and you're available to him, God has no unemployed people. How's that? If you love God and you're saying, Lord, uh, you know, I, I just want to be used by you. Well, the first thing he's going to show you is your spouse. And you go, oh, Lord, I don't know about that one. Then if you got kids, he's going to show you your kids. And you're going to say, I want something like a little bit more exciting. There's nothing more exciting than leading your child to the Lord. Nothing. There's nothing more glorious to see them come to Christ, see them baptized, see them grow, see them marry, and see them give you beautiful, perfect grandchildren who they should have given you more. <laughs> Daniel and Jennifer are having a, a child another one uh, coming in, what is it, January? January. I teased the daylights out her. I said, oh, you know, she's pregnant. I'm saying, oh, there's got to be one more in there because I want 10. <laughs> there's nothing more glorious. Ordinary things like that that change a life, but hear me now. Change Generations, generations are forever changed, forever, into eternity. Back to the text. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room, and the widow stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and, and, knelt, and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, Luke doesn't want us to miss that she's dead. Is there anything supernatural about kneeling down and praying? There's not. It's a spiritual discipline. Paul says to pray without, for this is the will of God. 
when we have a heart for God and when we're available to Him from time to time, He'll do what only God can do. My grid for ministry is, Lord, help me have a heart for you and be available to you. And Lord, would you pour out your spirit and do more. Do far, far more than I would ever think possible. Could you join me in that? Having a heart for God, being available to him, daring to take a risk at the next family gathering or even the next Sunday morning to have eyes to see. God, would you use me? And you know what? God's disposition is no unemployment. God's disposition. His eyes roam to and from to and fro the earth, looking for someone that he could strengthen, stand beside, use. Back to the text. Tabitha, arise. <laughs> Once again, where's the lights? Where's the smoke? Where's the camera crew? There's nothing. Why? Because it's God. And when God does something, he gets the glory. And we get a taste of that joy that empowers us, encourages us to be about his business. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her, gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, man, what a party this would have been, raised her, presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Last verse, transformational verse. Don't want you to miss it. Two things. First thing, Peter stayed in Joppa. What? Peter stayed in Joppa. He stayed amongst the people. He stayed amongst the people so that he could care for them and pastor them because he found his calling. Was he an apostle? Yes, he was. But much more than that, he was a carer. He was a shepherd of God's people. And how do I know that his heart was transformed? Because who he stayed with was an abomination to the Jews. And we're going to find out much more about that when we get to Cornelius. He stayed with a tanner. How many of you know, have, have lived with a tanner? Know what a tanner is? Three people know what a tanner is. I have to raise my hand. I did not know what a tanner was, and I've never lived with a tanner. But someone at 8.30 helped me out. They said, it is the most extremely messy, bloody, gorish thing where they rip animals flesh off the skin and blood is everywhere and they hang up the skins to dry and the person is a bloody mess full of animal guts I said was the person kosher or not 
Of course not. I said, how can I get this across in my mind as a Billy Rickian? How can I understand what a tanner is? I said, I got it. The guy who cleans the septic tanks. If you've ever had a septic tank and you take the lid off of that, it is, and the guy's got stuff on him, and it came from you, and it ain't good. You see, Peter, Peter's heart had been changed, and we're going to see the fruit of that coming in chapter 10 is that he loved people. It didn't matter who they were. Whether it was some guy who had been paralyzed for eight years, Peter was seeking him. Or a kind-hearted woman who had touched the hearts of a whole community, Peter was available. Or whether it was, it was a tanner, Peter was going to be what God had called him to be. There's only two things that you really need to have to be on mission for Jesus. Do you have a heart for God? And are you available? If you have those two things, I know the heart of God, Jesus, is that he's going to use you. And there's nothing like being used in your own home. You say amen? going to invite our worship team to come and help us prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's table. Uh, is it a one-man band? I think so. He's a good guy, isn't he? Let's prepare our hearts um, uh, to receive the Lord's table this morning.